Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line by embracing behavioral economics. And now, here are your hosts, world-renowned thought leader on customer experience, Colin Shaw, and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. Think about people waiting in line for days to buy the new iPhone or signing up literally years in advance, giving Tesla a loan, uh, an interest-free loan for years so that you can secure a place in line to buy the next car. Our recommendation was literally to change one word, okay? So rather than say your policy document should be with you within five working days, to change it to your policy documents will be with you. Think about sitting, waiting to get interviewed. Think about you're going to go and get some test results from a doctor and you're feeling anxious. It feels like an eternity. So Ryan, I was in a Starbucks the other day Mm -hmm. and do your usual thing, you order your drink and then go to the end where they deliver your drink. And interestingly enough, they had a crossword puzzle at the end. Oh, interesting. And I thought, this is interesting. And it reminded me of a really good paper written by a guy called David Meister. Um, That's M-A-I-S-T-E-R, who wrote a paper called The Psychology of Waiting Lines. So anybody wants to Google that, then obviously they can. And by the way, as we've started to do, we put together at the end of this a podcast summary, which will be the key takeaways from this podcast and the recommended actions. We'll put a link into to that for this. And you can get those summaries at beyondphilosophy.com backslash podcast summary. That's beyondphilosophy.com backslash podcast summary. The reason we're doing that is one of our listeners said that they listen to this as they're driving into work and therefore it'd be really good to, they can't take notes and stuff like that. So we thought that would be a good idea. We hope that's being of use. Anyway, so there's been enough waiting for that. Let's go down these eight things that David identified as some of the challenges around waiting because that's really true in any customer experience there's some form of waiting involved we do a lot of waiting in our lives waiting to get on a plane waiting in line at the coffee shop waiting on the phone to talk to a representative like there's just there's a lot of waiting so this is this is an important topic it is and very practical as well And in fact, as you just mentioned, the first one, when you mentioned aircraft lounges, so unoccupied time feels longer than occupied time. So let me repeat that. Unoccupied time feels longer than occupied time. Now, why did I say about airport lounges? Well, this is the reason why they have TV sets, why you see everybody on their smartphones so on and so forth, because they're trying to distract themselves. They're trying to do something different. Otherwise, why would you go to a hotel and 
And within the hotel elevators, they have mirrors. Why do they not just put something else there? Yeah. So they're trying to occupy your your time. Does that make sense? Yeah. There's an interesting study that came out a couple of years ago that got some good press because it was so weird. These researchers gave people the option of being kind of alone with their thoughts. So having to sit in a room essentially and, and not interact with anyone, nothing to do. Or instead, you could get mildly painful electric shocks and not have to be alone by yourself. And people chose the shocks. They chose pain. I would rather <laughs> physically feel pain than be bored. So yeah, unoccupied time is really aversive. So I, I mean, I think we can go through the advice as we go through the items here. The advice is if people have to wait, give them something to do. Occupy that time. Absolutely. And I guess maybe, I don't know actually, but that could be the part of the reason why organizations have things like Wi-Fi and stuff like that to enable people to occupy their time. And it also makes me wonder, 50 years ago, it feels like people would be happier being unoccupied. But in our day and age with everything, instant gratification and social media and everything else, you have to be doing something every moment of the day. You can't just sit there. Yes. And you can see that the next time you have like 20 seconds of unoccupied time, your hand will start twitching for your phone immediately. Like we just, we do, we want to be distracted. We want our minds to be occupied. So this next one, what happens when you go into a restaurant? Let me, before I reveal what it is, let me give the example. So what happens when you go into a restaurant and you sit down? What does the waiter do, the first thing the waiter does? I mean, they stop by a couple of times. First, they give you your menus, yeah. Then they'll ask you if you have any drinks that you want. Then they'll come by and ask you if you're ready for your order or if they can come back again. Yeah, and and that's number two. So number two is people want to get started. And for me, the restaurants is always the uh, restaurant is always the prime example that they want to get into the process. They don't want to be sitting there waiting for something to happen. And therefore, when you go into a restaurant, the first thing that people do is they take you to your table, you sit down, they give you a menu, they order your drinks because you feel like you're in the process now. Now the meal is officially started. Yeah, and you're already there. And again, if you think about flying and stuff like that, you're straight into the process. The process is a, what I would call a bitty process. In other words, there's lots of different parts of it. But you know what that is. It's not like you're hanging around for four hours waiting for, for something to start before you've even started on that process. So people want to get started. And that's where the psychology of this gets especially interesting to me. What you call this, this bitty process you can adjust the biddiness of your customer's experience. And yes, in case you're curious, I'm going to hammer on that biddy word a lot because I think that's another <laughs> silly Britishism that I'm, as a smug American, I need to feel superior about. So the biddiness of the process, you can adjust. So, I mean, at Disney, when they have lines, they will break the lines up into bits. They're kind of individual experiences. So when we talk about people wanting to get started, to a certain extent, you have control over that as a, a somebody who manages a customer experience. Can you allow the process to feel like it started early on as opposed to, no, we're going to make you wait and then the process will start eventually. 
Or can you break that up into more bits so that people can progressively feel like they're starting or even starting multiple times as they get closer and closer? And all of these things, I think the important thing to say here, all of these things, you should be thinking about your customer journey. So as we go through this, think about your customer journey and think about all the times that you are making customers wait. Now, important part here is not to just think of the wait when the customer's with you or in that experience. I ordered something the other day, not from Amazon. It's taken like three weeks to to get here. I'm sitting there thinking, what the hell's happening with it? That comes down to the next one, which is uncertain weights are longer than known weights. So I'm sitting there thinking, where's these? In fact, it was a set of glasses. Where's these glasses that I've ordered? I don't know what's happening. I go on the tracking app. The tracking app doesn't work. I'm now going, what in the hell's happening? And I'm emailing the the supplier going, what's happening? Guess what? They're not replying. And therefore, the wait now becomes even longer. I remember you telling a story about a previous client of yours where their phone bank employees were, were using some phrase that kind of communicated uncertainty. It was something like your quote should be to you within a week. And so they were communicating the fact that, well, it's all kind of up in the air. But essentially, they, they changed the phrasing to increase the perceived certainty and people stopped calling in. Yeah, no, that's a, a good example. Yeah, we did some work for one of the largest insurance companies in the UK back in the day. And what was happening was when people were phoning through to the call center to say, where's their policy document? So that ordering an insurance policy, they were expecting the documentation to turn up. The agent was saying, thank you very much for the order and your policy document should be with you within five working days. What they discovered was that I think it was 60, 70% of people that were having that interaction were phoning back within three days and saying, I'm sorry, but I couldn't remember. Could you tell me when my policy document is turning up? And what we discovered was that the majority of the agents were saying, your policy documents should be with you within five working days. But it was that word should that caused the problem because that put an element of doubt in people's minds. And therefore, when they were waiting, there was uncertainty and anxiety, which is another one we'll talk about in in a bit, going, where's it? What's happening? And they were phoning back. Our recommendation was literally to change one word, okay? So rather than say your policy document should be with you within five working days, to change it to your policy documents will be with you. And literally, literally, which I've always found this really amazing, the call volumes dropped from something like 70, 60, 70%, literally down to 6% in about three weeks, just in that one change. Now, if you spoke to the customer and you said, why did you phone back? Which we clearly did. They didn't say, oh, well, they said should, because it was that subconscious subliminal message that was being given to them. We've noticed that in many different, in fact, this was, I don't know, 12 years ago now. And this started us off down this whole whole track of trying to understand more what was happening at this subconscious level. I love it. I think it's a, a great example of this. 
we don't often think about the waiting time associated with, as you said, getting something in the mail for our customers or, you know, getting documentation from the customer's perspective, they are waiting for something. And if you're inadvertently even communicating uncertainty around it, that makes the wait worse. (laughs) So don't like knowing that it'll be there within five days is very different psychologically than, well, it might be there. We'll have to see. And if you think about some of these, how these manifest themselves, then again, let's go back to it. Uncertain wait feels longer than known wait. Okay. So why do Uber have the app where you've got the car come in and you can see where it is? Because that's, you can actually go, well, yeah, I can see that they're just around the corner. So that's a, you know what's happening. Why do the airlines go, flights all running on time? Why do you, trains in London, next one will be arriving in two minutes, et cetera, et cetera. All of these things are because they're trying to deal with informing customers because they want to create some certainty around what's happening. Even the certainty is quite ironic in this, actually, even if the certainty has been delayed. Yep. So you're now certain it's been delayed. Clearly, the next question is, well, how long has it been delayed by? But that's when people start kicking up a fuss, and rightly so, then they get misinformation from different sources. The flight's delayed by half an hour. Now it's delayed by two hours. Now it's going in the next 10 minutes. Different people telling you different things. That creates that that uncertainty. Absolutely. Next one is around, and I guess this ties into it, which is around anxiety, okay? When you're feeling anxious, the wait can feel a lot longer. Think about a job interview. Think about sitting, waiting to get interviewed. Yeah. Think about you're going to go and get some test results from a doctor and you're feeling anxious. Okay. It feels like an eternity, doesn't it? Yeah. Think about, I mean, even some more trivial stuff around. Am I going to be upgraded on the plane? I'm waiting for that to ping through that you've been upgraded or whatever. It does. There's actually great and fascinating research on this. So the anxiety is true. The anxiety makes it seem longer, but the anxiety makes it feel longer through, at least in part, through physical arousal. So when we're anxious, that's a a nervous state. And so we are more physically aroused. Our heart rate goes up a little bit. We have a little bit more adrenaline all of those physical things, and those things affect our time perception. So you can think of positive emotional arousal, like when you're on a roller coaster, you're reaching the top part of the roller coaster and it's about to go down, it feels like time slows down. That's kind of this intense physical arousal, time dilation is what it's called, and so it slows down the time. Anxiety is a more common customer experience emotion that can affect our time perception. But it does. Anxiety makes things feel worse for us, and it slows down time. And anxiety slows down the way that we perceive time. Training your frontline team on how to create memories in your customers by evoking their emotions. Beyond philosophy's unique and proven training methodology, Memory Maker Training. Contact Beyond Philosophy by going to beyondphilosophy.com slash contact. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash contact. Yeah, no, absolutely. And therefore, again, if you're thinking about if you're in the healthcare industry, you've got to design your experience with that in mind. You don't want somebody to be, if they're phoning up for some test results and whatever it may be, you want to make sure that 
you're dealing with them in the fastest way possible and not making them wait because that's going to just increase the anxiety and increase them thinking that that wait is longer but again even with you go and think about it you go into a doctor's surgery they have magazines on the chair they have tv sets so on and so forth to try to overcome those things number five unexplained weights filled longer than explained weights so unexplained weights are longer than explained weights people now know that i travel a lot and therefore when you're on the flight and the pilot says we're seventh in the queue going to be taken off in 10 minutes or we've got to go over here and have the plane de-iced or they're explaining what's happening and explaining we know what the situation is and if you do that with a customer then that makes them feel a lot better so i heard an interesting stat once that when mcdonald's started installing those printout boxes by the drive-through so as you go up you speak into the mic and then you can see your order pop up on the uh, machine that reduced errors in the order perhaps not surprisingly more surprisingly it increased the perceptions of the friendliness of the worker taking the order. And I think it ties into this. If you're waiting and you're not getting any information back, then a part of your brain assigns a malicious intent to that. So uh, part of your brain is thinking, oh, that, that employee is ignoring me. They're not doing their job. But when the wait is explained, when you can see that, oh, no, 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 they're not responding because they're busy typing this into their computer so that I can get my order filled then you perceive everything as better, including it, it seems like it's taking less time. It seems like the employer is more helpful, more friendly. Everything is better. So yeah, the, the idea that keeping customers in the dark for some of this stuff so you don't have to keep apologizing over and over, that's usually a bad strategy. Crazy strategy, to be honest with you. I'm a great believer in over-communicating. But again, key part here is the communication has got to be consistent. What you don't want to do is someone saying it's going to be half an hour, somebody saying it's going to be 15 minutes. So number six, unfair weights are longer than equitable weights. So unfair weights are longer than equitable weights. Let me give you an example of that because we haven't mentioned my favorite industry, the cable company. (laughs) I was changing cable provider And one of the things that I had to do was to take the cable box back to the cable provider, which I I got annoyed at, to be totally honest with you. Oh, yeah. That's like the final insult to injury on top of everything else. Yeah, it is. And I live in Florida, and I was taking it back. And the reason I say I was living in Florida, because they then kept me bloody waiting outside. And it was in the middle of July. There was like 20 people in front of me. And I felt it was just unfair. I felt that they were poking me in the eye and saying, well, you want to leave, so we're going to give you the worst experience we can. I'm sure that's not the case, okay? But I have to say, it felt like that as I was sweating profusely in the humid weather of Florida in the in the summer. Again, people need to give that some thought. Yeah. No, you, I mean, you experience that too if you go to a restaurant or someplace and you're waiting in line and then you see somebody who came in before you get served after you. Now, there may be very legitimate reasons for that. They might have had a reservation and you didn't. Maybe they were in a smaller party and so it was easier to find a table. There's more flexibility, whatever it is. But it feels so unfair. (laughs) And that negative emotion, again, bleeds over into how you're perceiving time. And if you're upset, if you're angry, time seems to slow down and makes everything worse. 
In fact, it's an interesting thing, isn't it, when you start thinking about the word unfair. If I think about some of those things you've just mentioned, it could be that one of those people are more regular customers. It could be, I was thinking about the Disney line, Fast Pass, when people are going past. And I do think there is a sense of resentment if somebody has jumped the line in in some way because they are classed as a better customer. Now, I don't necessarily agree with that because I think that's a way of segmenting the market. I think the issue for me is, does it feel unfair? So fast pass, everybody can access, everybody can do. But it's whether you think somebody is being, not promoted, but going ahead of you for some unfair reason. Number seven, the more valuable the service, the longer the customer will wait. Yeah. I would agree with that. To go sort of headlong into talking about my two favorite industries, let's talk about Apple. Because if I go in there and they're busy, I have to say, I normally come up with excuses for them. Oh, it's such great products that no wonder everyone's, there's a long line here. I think it's it's right. If you've got a valuable service or go back to the doctor, you're going to go and see the best specialist in your area about this particular aspect, you are more willing to to wait for them than not. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, another way of thinking about this is waiting is another form of cost for the customer, right? So I might have to pay for the service or I might have to wait for the service. These are all costs to the customer. There's this idea that people don't ever want to pay more for something. In fact, I was interviewed by a reporter. I think it was the Washington Post. They were writing a story about how several services, I think Amazon Prime was one of them, Netflix was another, were raising their prices and customers kind of seemed okay with it. And this was newsworthy that like people are are willing to pay more for something. And so we, we had a discussion with this reporter about it's not that people aren't willing to pay. People just want to see value in what they're getting. People are willing to pay more for something that they value more. Same with time, right? Time is just another cost. So I'm willing to wait longer. Think about people waiting in line for days to buy the new iPhone or signing up literally years in advance, giving Tesla a loan, an interest-free loan for years so that you can secure a place in line to buy the next car that's coming out several years in advance. People are willing to wait in line for these things because they value them and they don't complain. Yep. No, I agree. If again, if you think about flights and people getting on who are in first class or I fly a lot with Delta, but Sky Priority, you've still got the weight there. However, you know that these people are more valuable customers. So that's the way it is, basically. Okay. Last one. Solo weights feel longer than group weights. So if you're by yourself and you're waiting, that feels a lot longer than if you're with other people okay i think there's a caveat i'd like to put here (laughs) is this based on the time you spent waiting in line with me for various things is that where your caveat's coming from (laughs) i disagree no the caveat i was gonna say is as long as it's not with two-year-old children that (laughs) scream a lot or maybe you're referencing me and i don't appreciate that Yeah, I think that's an important caveat. My assumption is that this is true mostly because of number one on the list, that when you're with people, it's easier to occupy your time. You can have conversation, you can have more diversion, but there may be additional social components to it on top of just a a way of occupying your time. 
Yeah, it would be interesting to delve in. I mean, I presume, as you say, if you're with a group of friends and you're chatting on stuff like that, then that's one thing. Whether it's just in a group environment where you've got a load of strangers and stuff. Mind you, if you were my wife, you'd just talk to anybody. <laughs> I don't know what it is. If she just goes up and just starts chatting to anybody. And I think, did it the other day? And I said, do you know the person? Oh, no. No, we just started having a chat. Okay, that's fine. Notice that she doesn't talk to me, though. <laughs> that's the motivator. It's like, well, I could either talk to Colin or talk to this guy with a mohawk. When you're not there, she's silent as a churchman. Yeah, I know which one's going to be more interesting. <laughs> good. So I think that's a really, really good list. And there's some really good practical things. It is. We want to give full credit to David Meister for putting it together. I've, I've tried to put together lists like this before based on psychology findings and they're hard to do and that was a that's a really great useful list for people and i think it's really practical So if we go to our usual bit about, well, what would we recommend? The thing I would recommend that you do is that you look at your customer journey and you look at all the points where your customer is waiting and think about these eight things and think about, is there anything you can do to reduce the amount of time that customers are waiting? Is there anything you can do to provide more Go back to number five, unexplained weights are longer than explained weights. Is there anything more you can do to explain what the weight is? Those things don't have to be human to human. It can be, as we talked about, the Uber app. It could be notifications of some kind. What is it you can do to reduce those weights? Just to reemphasize what you said, we talk a lot in this podcast about the importance of seeing through your customer's eyes or being empathetic and understanding your customer, seeing their perspective. A lot of the things that maybe don't look like a weight on paper, like when you map out your customer's journey or when you think about your customer's experience, are experienced as a weight for your customer. So look through this waiting lens. What are we making our customers wait for and in what different ways? And then, yeah, again, go through these eight things. What are the ways that we can improve the weight? One big takeaway that kind of underlies all of these it may not be that objectively shortening the wait time would be as effective as doing some of these other things. People as a whole are pretty bad at marking the passage of time. We're kind of insensitive to actual time differences most of the time. What we're very sensitive to is perceived time differences. How long does this feel like it's taking? So rather than really squeeze your phone bank employees to make sure that they get off the phone with customers as quickly as possible. You may actually improve the customer experience by slowing things down and keeping them on the phone longer, if that means explaining the weight better or reducing the anxiety better. Good point, good point. Good, well, I hope that's been of use to people. Don't forget, you can download the podcast summary by just going to beyondphilosophy.com backslash podcast summary. That is Philosophy dot com backslash podcast summary and we look forward to talking to you next week thanks very much everybody cheers
This has been the Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast. And we'll talk with you next time on The Intuitive Customer.